across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. So I remember saying to you that we're going to try and cross to Parliament at 2 o'clock where we are anticipating that President Cyril Ramaphosa is going to be answering questions at a hybrid plenary sitting of the National Assembly today. So what we've decided to do is to move some of the things that we were going to do much later to a bit earlier. Okay, so we will also move the Kids' Corner much earlier. We'll try and fit on uh, fit in um, what we had planned with Professor Shanghai, who was going to be with us after two so he has very very graciously agreed to talk to us earlier so thank you so much uh, for making that time and and for being so flexible professor shanghai welcome to the show good afternoon Good afternoon, Camilla, and afternoon to your listeners. No, it's not a problem. Actually, these things happen, obviously. These things do happen. Thank you. So, Professor Shanghai, let me just ask you this. Um, In light of all of our anxiety around COVID, how has that affected men's health just generally? Yeah, that's a brilliant question because the problem is that we know uh, COVID is obviously a, a pandemic. It's a world health crisis, but it's also impacting on our health, general health, first of all, in other aspects besides just in the respiratory system, but also when it comes to things like, for example, cancers, vaccinations. I'll give an example that the the Ebola crisis mm-hmm. um, in, in West Africa, mm. um, in, 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 the, in the Congo, they, during that period, uh, they had they did have lockdowns and, mm. and, and that sort of thing to try to prevent the spread of the Ebola. Yes. But the data is quite clear now that there were about uh, 3,000 deaths that uh, that that happened in the in, uh, during that the, 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 that in, in in children during that period yes. from a, from what they said was Ebola, but then about almost twice as many six thousand deaths happened from measles during the same time of period wow. because they weren't getting their vaccinations yep. and things. So, I think the important thing is that we still have to maintain our activities when it comes to COVID. Obviously, COVID is, can be life threatening and that sort of thing, but you do need to balance that a little bit with uh, other investigations like for example we know that uh the the uh, the chances of people getting heart attacks has been has uh, being at least reported heart attacks is less than it used to be and we suspect that some of the people who have been uh, put as covid have been actually dying from other things like heart attacks strokes loss of limbs and that sort of thing and there- so i think we must just generally have uh, keep uh, balance our health as well as the COVID issue. There's obviously an anxiety around going into facilities. And, and I wonder whether we already are starting to see a, a decline in patients coming for prostate, maybe, uh, just checking yeah. their prostate. Are, are you seeing a decline? Oh, yes. We've, we've actually published on this as well. It's about, there seems to be world globally about a 70% decrease in uh, all types of cancer screenings. Mm. And the, it's really going to be a, a, a tsunami of trouble in the future. Currently, a lot of the guys are worried to come in for their for their investigations and with the women as well. Mm-hmm. But the point is that they and they, the majority of, of screening things can be done even as an outpatient. And we're doing a lot more televisits as well. But patients themselves are still very stressed. So they we have to just encourage them to make sure that they take good general health, make sure that you do if you do need to be seen. Even if it's by televisit, by, by through through a, a video yes. call or something, yes. that can be sufficient. Because for the as the example with prostate cancer, we don't even really need to always do a rectal examination, which is what guys don't like anyway, <laughs> because because we know mm. that uh, again the data shows that if it's only it's only about three percent of the nasty cancers that will will be missed by doing a rectal examination. So if as long as you're getting your PSA done about once every year or every second year. 
and you're not being monitored. You could probably don't need to come into the office for any sort of investigation. Okay. But, and even getting blood tests for sugar and doing home testing for, for, for blood pressure can also be done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open the lines, Professor Shanghai, 011-714-2006. Um, WhatsApp number is 0614104107. I've got a Pumzile here calling from Johannesburg. Pumzile, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Thanks Hi. for calling. I'm good, thank you. Hi, Professor. Hi, Pumzile. Um, I have a question. So my brother has been struggling with lower um, abdominal pains and it's, it's actually starting to affect his walking and he's starting to limp. So I don't think he's been taking it as seriously and I wasn't also until obviously I've been listening to the conversation today. What what would you suggest or what is, is that anything like a red flag or is there something wrong there? Should he get it checked out or is it maybe just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think the uh, thanks for the question from I, I think the, the body is a clever organ. It's, if it has a problem, it'll tell you. And if the patient, if a person is having pain in an area, particularly if it's persistent, obviously if you're just being punched, then you probably don't need to. That's the pain that you get. But if it's persistent, that's always a red flag. It has to be addressed. And I think yeah. I, I, there's so many things that could be causing it. There could be bone issues. There could be bladder issues. It could be prostate issues. It could be rectal issues. It could be things in the buttocks. There's so many things that, that could be causing it. So my, my the first point of call would be probably to phone his, he should phone his regular GP or, or, or healthcare provider and try to make an appointment if they, after he's had a discussion because the healthcare provider should have some idea about his previous conditions and might be able to mitigate him coming in to, to see him personally. But I think in that sort of situation, I really wouldn't hide it. I mean, like we're talking about heart attacks, a lot of guys, uh, when we get feel when you have a heart attack, you think that it's gastritis. It's just a little bit of a peptic ulcer and and uh, a stomach stomach uh, acid, and that actually can be a heart attack, and you and you'll be missing out on something which can cause you to get uh, heart failure and things in the future. So I think if you're having pain, please encourage him to at least phone his uh, GP or healthcare provider. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pumzile. Thank you. Uh, Professor Shanghai, we, we often talk about breast cancer in, in male patients. Is the test, the, the home test that women are often, you know, being told about, is, is it equally effective for men? Okay, yeah. First of all, uh, breast cancer, men do have breasts. Yes. They're relatively smaller, and about 1% of all breast cancers in the world do happen in men. Mm. So it's not that a huge uh, number. And uh, fortunately for guys, if you do have breast cancer, you're, because your breasts are usually smaller, although if they do get bigger, it's often because of obesity as well. So just try to lose a bit of weight, which also predisposes you to all types of cancers. Mm-hmm. But usually you'll feel a lump and you can see it might be a discharge. There might be a, a bit of blood on the, on the nipple. It's, but that's usually we, when it's getting really uh, quite large. So mm-hmm. if you feel any lumps in the area of your breast, just go get it checked out. It's not too difficult. The chest for females is usually about their own uh, self-examination, just like with the guys. Mm. But then the females usually, usually would be going for uh, what's called a mammogram to check if, it's, if there's a breast cancer there. In men, we usually that's not really necessary. And, or else they get an ultrasound or an, uh, an, uh, of the breast and possibly what's called a magnetic resonant imaging. Yes. But the point is it's really important for us to, ch- to ch- check that out, make sure if there are lumps. 
And even if you have lumps like underneath your, your armpits, which we call, those are often something called lymph nodes. And yes. Lymph nodes, basically what they are, they're, it's like when you get a, a flu or something, you get some lumps in the neck sometimes, which are a bit sore. Mm -hmm. Those lymph nodes are just trying to stop the spread of infection. And they also are used to stop the spread of cancers. So ah. if you start getting lumps in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the axilla and you've got a lump in your breast, the axilla is in the armpit basically then that you should be a little bit more concerned. But generally, for guys, it's pretty easy to pick it up. Okay. Vijay is calling from KZN. Vijay, hi. Hi, Pamela. Hi, how are you? Pamela, I'm, I'm a 49-year-old male and I'm, I'm blessed. Sorry, Vijay, we, we, we literally missed you at that point when you were telling us the number. Okay. Uh, Pamela, I'm a 59-year-old male and I'm blessed to say that currently I don't have any uh, problems. Okay. But my main reason for my call was to just really compliment compliment your guest, the professor, I, you know, I've been when he comes on once a month to catch his show, and I have never heard a medical professional actually deal, answer questions with such precision and such, um, uh, you know, it, it's just wonderful to listen to him even if you don't have a problem. Mm. So I really take my hat off to you, to the guest, and I also want to take this opportunity to thank you, because I, I'm just uh, amazed as to how polished and consummate you are as a presenter with so many different things. So we're really blessed to have you as a presenter on SAFM and I'm... I'm wow, GJ. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And you're completely correct. Pamela is actually the one who's running this. So that's why we're doing... We do so well. And her and her team. So thanks very much. <laughs> Yeah, you should see in the background. It's tough. It's tough. But anyway, um, Professor Shungai, I, I'm very concerned, um, and we get to hear this a lot on the radio too. People are anxious. People are very, very stressed. Um, those stress hormones, w w what are they doing to our health in general? As you said earlier, you know, people are also not getting checked up. But, but maybe talk to me about the hormones and, and how we can at least moderate or manage our hormones at a time like this. Uh, that's, uh, it's so important for people. I always tell my patients that um, they can, some, I've, I've got patients with cancers, obviously. I've got patients with uh, life-threatening other conditions through urological. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them that the biggest killer is not the not COVID. It's not HIV. Mm -hmm. It's not your cancer. Mm -hmm. It's stress. Mm -hmm. And we know that during this period, it's been even more stresses imposed on patients and, and people out there in general. And it's it's, it's, they must understand that it's not a Mickey Mouse condition mm. to be stressed. Mm. I mean, we have, like, for example, with doctors, we have a lot of burnout. Lots of jobs are having people with burnout. You're having people who are losing their jobs. You're having people who have had relatives die. All of this is stress, stress, stress. And we know that probably about 40% of all people in the country are having significant stresses during this period, which is probably about twice as what it used to be before COVID. And being a scientist, we've actually done um, some rat model um, assessments for uh, stress. What we do with the rats is that we, um, this is mainly coming out of some Italian colleagues. Uh, we put them, the, the rats in a, uh, in a, 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 a closed uh, container mm -hmm. and we put t t tobacco smoke into there. It's just to show how, how bad tobacco can be. It actually causes the rats to get stressed. Wow. But then what we did, then we would sacrifice the, 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 the animals, which basically means that we kill them, of course. Mm -hmm. And then we'd, we'd be testing their bloods during the period and then do some scans of the brain, of their brains, and also then dissect their brains eventually. Mm -hmm. And we now know that stress is like, it's a, it's a hormone, it, it, it releases chemicals, it's an organ 
which releases chemicals which we call mainly cytokines into the bloodstream, similar to the, the to a pituitary, to a thyroid, to to the the inside. It's basically what they're doing is they're going into the bloodstream, causing damage, and these cytokines are causing patients to get diabetes, hypertension, mm. increased lipids, and all of these lead to more inflammation lead to damage to the inside coating of the blood vessels, causing people to get heart attacks, strokes, loss of limb. And with the inflammation, you're also then predisposed to cancer. So it's so important for people to recognize that stress is a huge thing. And if you, ha- if you do have a, 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 you see somebody who has stress or you yourself have stress, please reach out and get yourself seen by somebody. <laughs> Isaac is calling from Kimberley. Thanks for your call, Isaac. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimela. Good afternoon to the professor. Hi, Isaac. Yeah. I'm just calling because last week I went for a check, a rectal checkup, you know? mm-hmm. and I see they are recommending suprapubic prostatectomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe the professor will explain to me about fright and about what it means, really. Okay, I see you're, you're, you're not able to pass urine. Is that the problem, or is it just that you're having difficulty? Uh, difficulty what, uh, professor? Passing, passing urine. urine. Passing urine. No, I do pass urine properly, but the... When he checked me, he realized that it's about swollen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he was recommending that. Uh, so I haven't really taken a decision as yet because okay. uh, I want to be sure what was going on here. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I think rather than be specific, because obviously don't, we, we don't have your full history, but I'm just going to walk you through what I think is going on and what the options are. Yeah. Now, essentially, what they're talking about is the prostate. Now, the prostate sits around the base of the bladder, just behind, be, be below where that the pubic bone, the, the bone of, the, of your pelvis is. And its, uh, it's job basically is to uh, produce about 30% of what a guy ejaculates. And, uh, the, and as we get older, after the age of 40, and almost every man, because of changes in hormones and things like that, the prostate starts to get a bit bigger. And as it gets bigger, it can start growing into the pipe for passing urine, which is also the pipe for ejaculation and then give difficulty passing urine. Now, what we usually do with that, we, we, the, the, to make it simple, it's either going to be what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is what I think you, they're trying to talk to you about doing, which is the normal enlargement which everyone gets. But about 20% of guys, it can be a cancer. That's when we do the examinations uh, and we do the blood test. But it doesn't sound like that's what your problem is. It sounds like it's the benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is called BP or BPH. Now, if which we have BPH, there's, there's basically an algorithm of treatments. We start with usually doing what we call behavioral modifications. You can decrease the amount of fluids you're taking, this, that, the other. The next step is medications, and there are essentially three types of medications that can be used to help to relax, to, to fix the, the prostate blockage. One is called, the most common is something called an alpha blocker, which basically just relaxes the muscles of the prostate. Another one is called a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor, which basically stops the, the, the cells of the prostate from getting their testosterone fixed, which is because it's necessary for them to develop through that. And then it makes the, the, the prostate shrink, the BPH shrink. And then the third one is these, uh, not, not, um, uh, uh, not actually approved in South Africa, but internationally it is, is to use a, what we call a PDE5, a phosphodiesterase inhibitor. These are uh, usually Tadalafil, but it's also, uh, these are the Viagras and things that, uh, uh, the Cialis of the world. But they have to be specifically for, and they also can also help with erectile problems. 
Now, the problem with taking any of these medications is that if you have significant symptoms, you're going to be taking them for the rest of your life, basically. And I think, and so if you don't want to have uh, take them for the rest of your life, or if you've got some problem like stones, or you're getting pressure and swelling of your kidneys, or you're not able to responding to the medications, the next step is for us to actually remove the parts that's blocked. Not the whole of the prostate, but the part that's blocked. And there are many, many ways we can do it. We can do it through telescopes, cameras going down through your penis, and use lasers and things to b- remove it. We can cut open like that with what your doctor is talking about, and then remove it from above. There can also there's what we call minimally invasive things like we we there which are uh, these are things like uh, heated water and and sheer uh, pressure things which are now being approved in the U.S. as well. And then usually after you've done removal, we usually leave a pipe inside their catheter for a couple of days. And then, but after that, you don't have to take these medications anymore. So I think you have to just walk, walk go back, walk him through, ask him if is the reasoning exactly. But the point is that he, what he's saying is, is one definitely one of the options that we do do for, for benign enlargement. So I think it's more just about just having a discussion with him. But, but Prof, let me just ask Isaac. Isaac, are you worried about anything going wrong? Is that why you're hesitant? Yeah, about anything going wrong. You know, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, medical science has advanced so far that we don't have to be... Yes, <laughs> and, and that's why I want you to okay. stay because I think maybe deal with that, Prof. I think okay. Isaac is just anxious. Okay. anxious. Yeah, okay. very much so. Right. And okay. my, my flow, let me just add, my flow isn't at, at 69. It wouldn't be like, that's fine. like 40, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Isaac, <laughs> I, the, the talk, you're quite right. And Isaac, uh, for the, most, the most important person in this whole discussion is yourself. Mm. And if you don't feel comfortable about something, I even told my... My, my patients, if they if they must tell me if they come into the theater and I'm about to operate and they say I'm stressed about something, I will cancel the procedure because wow. the point is you know best about your oh it's not just about your physical change it's also about the the emotional the various other things and spiritual even that could could mm. be a problem if you don't feel comfortable mm. then at least get a second opinion maybe from somebody else but on top of that there are some side effects if you do any of these operations unfortunately mm-hmm. the most important one is that. The prostate, once it's because it's, it's got a muscle above it, which is supposed, which basically pushes semen forward when we have orgasm. And basically, almost every man who gets a prostatectomy or removal will not be able to see his ejaculate coming out. And so it will be going back into the bladder and you pass it out in the urine. But, and that's not dangerous, but if for a lot of guys, that can be a problem. Second of all, there, the, there are some, some patients who get problems with the erections and with uh, the urine continence, but that's very, very rare. So the only one to really be worried about would be the or- orgasmic part. But the fact that you're not having too many difficulties passing urine is probably means, have, have, sorry, have you been on medications or not? No, I haven't been on medication. Ah, okay. I would go and have a word with him and then just say maybe I mean, he might be doing it because if you're saying that his, your kidneys are getting damaged because of the prostate enlargement, that's a different issue. But okay. if, he's, if, it's, if the kidneys are okay and there's no other issues, you might just approach him and ask him maybe to start with medications and mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Isaac, I think just try be a bit open with him and, and, okay, and be I'll open about even just the anxiety itself. Yeah, Thank you very much, Pimelo. Thank, Thank you, you to the professor. Bye. Bye. Thank now, you Pimelo, Pimelo, Pimelo gets the, great, the best advice just now. Better <laughs> than <mine. laughs> Thanks, Isaac. All the best. Listen, uh, Professor Shanghai, thank you. Thank you for being so nibble, no um, nimble and being so kind with your time because we've got to go now. Um, no but problem. I appreciate it. I know it was very short and many people can get their questions through, but uh, we'll do it again soon. Thank you very, very much.
It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Professor Shingai Mutambira is the head of Department of Urology at Sefago Makhatu Health Sciences University. And we're going to come out now and go to the news because we are anticipating to go to Parliament at two. So let's go straight to Anne Musa at five minutes to two. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM.